Something about the Rangers playing in Pittsburgh, Molly. Those fans are ruthless on Igor. Seven-game win streak's over. On Thursday, the Rangers will look to start a new win streak when the Islanders come to the Mecca. I just couldn't even believe it when he took the ice, how hard they booed him and how automatic it was. And then even after warmups, when they were showing the matchups on the Jumbotron, just his picture, they kept booing him. And, and even Artemi Panarin got a couple of boos too. But of course, Artemi Panarin was the one who ended their season last year. So I don't blame them for that one. But yeah, it's uh, it's the fans at PPG Paints Arena personal life mission to get an Igor Shishirkin's head, evidently. Yeah, I think they're still a little bit salty about losing the playoffs. They're salty that the Steelers suck too. And the Pirates have sucked for the last 25 years. So the poor people of Pittsburgh have just had it bad. Although, hey, they've won cups. So it's they haven't had it that bad when it comes to the Penguins. We will talk about that we'll look ahead at rangers islanders with islanders beat reporter for the new york post ethan sears and we'll catch up with rangers play-by-play voice on msg network that's the great sam rosen it's all coming up next on a hanukkah edition of up in the blue seats from the new york post you ready showtime on may 3rd summer starts with the fall guy what are you doing later let's drink a spicy margarita make some bad decisions yes Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here alongside my co-host, the queen of the New York Post, Molly Walker. It's a post celebration, only fitting after our holiday party that uh, was had on Tuesday, which Molly cannot make because she was busy covering a Rangers game in Pittsburgh. She was eating Primanti Brothers while we were drinking vodka sodas on Tuesday night. I don't even think I got an invitation, to be honest with you. <laughs> Maybe it was in your spam email. I don't know. But yeah, yeah I woke up hung over this morning. The Mets signing Carlos Correa and had to record a podcast after about six or seven vodka sodas, but the Rangers had seven vodka sodas. And then maybe they had a, a martini after that. And the martini didn't taste as well as the vodka sodas hit losing on Tuesday, ending their seven game win streak. Ethan Sears Islanders reporter for the New York post Islanders beat writer is going to join us in a few minutes. The voice of the Rangers on MSG Network, friend of the program, Sam Rosen, will join Andrew Hartz and I in a little bit as well. But Molly, all good things do come to an end. And unfortunately, some undisciplined play, a lot of penalties equals a Rangers loss. But it was a fun ride while it lasted. It was a really, really great game. I'll tell you, the atmosphere was was pretty epic. The fans at PPG Paints Arena were invested, as you can imagine, as were the Penguins. And I think that a lot of the Penguins' poor play in the beginning, you could attribute that to just how much emotion they were playing with. I mean, obviously heartbreaking seven-game first round series in the playoffs last season. They lost to the Rangers in overtime game seven, that crazy Artemi Panarin goal heartbreaking way for them to finish their season. And this is the first time both teams were meeting this season. And there was just a lot of emotion coming out of the Penguins and, and their play. And it kind of 
acted against them, I think. So they didn't look too good in the beginning. And the Rangers, Rangers are playing really well. Honestly, some of the best hockey that they've been playing lately, because, you know, not even all of the seven game win streak has has been perfect or pretty, but they, they looked really good. They were controlling the play, controlling the play, pace, put in a goal. And, and they just, as it's happened many times this season, just couldn't get another, just lots of posts, three to be exact. And, and it's just, that's just become the story of the Rangers season, honestly, uh, so far. So a couple undisciplined penalties, like you said, Jake, especially uh, from Sammy Blay. I mean, that was a really, that was a really tough play. Uh, Gerard Gallant called it undisciplined and benched Sammy Blay for the entire third period, um, which I think was, very much so warranted. I uh, just punched the guy right in the face, right in front of the referee. <laughs> We've all done more. it, Molly. We've all just punched the guy right in the face, haven't we? <laughs> right in the kisser. I mean, it was just right in front of the referees too. And it was just not a not an opportune time. I mean, it's never an opportune time to take a penalty, but just kind of let his, let his emotions get the best of him there. But uh, the Penguins were going to make the Rangers pay for any sort of mistake in that game. And and so they did. And Tristan Jari was pretty good. But the Penguins really wanted that one. But I think that the Rangers definitely could have had it. And it was kind of silly that they didn't pull it out. So listen, seven game win streak. We said this team had to go streaking and they finally did. And they made a statement in the last two weeks. We've talked about the Rocky roller coaster. That seems to be a thing of the past, Molly. That was a huge win streak to get this team going and, you know, to even get Halak a few wins in the winning column. Finally, it took a while. Yeah, absolutely. They're right back into the metropolitan division race now, which is still a bloodbath. You know, it points are are very close together. It's all, it's going to be on a game by game basis. I think for the rest of the season now, especially now that the devils have kind of cooled off the rest of the teams have kind of caught up a little bit, but that only makes for an even tighter division. And, but at least the Rangers are kind of back in the thick of it now. And uh, they've been playing with a little bit more confidence. The kids have been doing really, really well together. That win streak is, is uh, the turning point of the Rangers season for sure. There it is. The turning point of the season. They look to get back in the winning column Thursday when the New York Islanders come to the garden. Speaking of the Islanders, let's welcome in our first guest, he covers the Islanders for the New York Post. You can follow him on Twitter at Ethan underscore Sears. Ethan, we don't have uh, cookies or roses for you as your welcoming gift. Molly, do you guys like fight in the press box when it's Islanders Rangers? Quite the contrary, honestly. Ethan, Larry and I, we we have a ball together. We uh, we had a lot of fun in the playoffs together, too. And it's it's kind of fun, you know, getting to talk to uh, another beat writer that also works for the same publication, but for another team. So you kind of get to compare notes and stuff like that third and final matchup of the season between the rangers and islanders which is blasphemous we can get into that until a little bit but i know the islanders are battling a few injuries right now just what's the latest on that front and what kind of lineup can the rangers fans expect to see well i think it'd be pretty surprising to see uh any of uh cal clutterbuck uh kyle palmary Adam Pellick or Semyon Varlamov uh, in the lineup tomorrow night. Clutterbuck is on IR as of today, so he cannot be in the lineup. Uh, Pellick, it would be pretty surprising to see him back before the holidays. He took a pretty bad hit to the head. Palmieri was out for 10 games with a suspected concussion. And then his first game back took a hit up high from Nick Ritchie, and we haven't seen him since then. They're just a little uh, banged up right now. But uh, the good news for them is that uh, Hudson Fashing has been 
and kind of a revelation out of nowhere. Just a, a journeyman guy who uh, made his NHL debut in 2015, never played more than 11 games in, in a season. And he's slotted in into Clutterbuck's spot on that fourth line and played really well. Plays just an up and down game, gets below the hashes, four checks, and just seems to kind of be in the right places and make them better when he's on the ice. You know, Sorokin is is likely guy to start in net, uh, obviously with Varlamov out, and, and we all know what he can do. You know, for a team that's banged up, they've uh, they've handled it reasonably well. I will happily state here my early season prediction included Ilya Sorokin winning the Vesna Trophy. What do you say to that from what you've seen? And is it a possibility, do you think? It's definitely a, a possibility. You know, when you look at this team, you know, their their advanced numbers, you know, if you're if you're a believer in the expected goals and that kind of thing, they don't show that they're that good of a team. And you look, you look at why that the, there's that gap between their record and the expected goals or the Corsi or what have you. Uh, it's pretty much all Ilya Sorokin. It, uh, it's honestly, it's, it's pretty similar to what, uh, to what Igor Shosturkin did with the Rangers last season. Um, and this season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this season lately. And, uh, it's, it's not so much of a coincidence that, um, you know, over these last couple of weeks as their, uh, as, as their play has dropped a little bit, it's been not even that Sorokin has played poorly. It's that he just kind of has been a little bit more normal. Um, or or average, you know, he just had a, you know, a handful of games where he wasn't quite himself. And all of a sudden, you know, he's on a five game losing, losing streak. But, you know, he came back the other night in Colorado had, you know, 46 saves uh, and a shutout. And, you know, they, they couldn't get a goal for him ended up ended up losing that game in a shootout. But, you know, that seems to seems to have righted things for him the same exact kind of story for the Rangers. It's it's quite funny, but I feel like the Islanders had a bit of a chip on their shoulder coming to the season after how things went for them last year. You could probably attribute their fast start to that, I would say. what What's your assessment of why they've cooled off on this little stretch here? Do you feel like it's because of the slew of injuries or, or what would you say it is? I think that definitely plays a role. Uh, losing Adam Pellick in particular is, is a big, big deal. Um, you know, as as you know, he's just a, a stalwart guy back there and and him, him and Ryan Pulak are really, they're out there for 20 minutes a night, usually against the other team's top line. So, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're replacing him with, with Robin Salo on that pair. And it's just not quite the same. They really were relying on their goaltending to be incredible every night. And when that goes from incredible to just good or just okay, it's a big, big difference. So I, th- I think those are probably the two biggest factors. Is there a possibility that the Rangers and Islanders are going to both be pitching to Patty Kane for the trade deadline? And you you had a very interesting conversation with Matt Barzell, who I feel like is always a pretty good quote. So I just wanted to kind of hear about that conversation because I'm sure that was an interesting one. I definitely think there's there's a possibility of that and, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes if if so. But um, you know, Matt Barzell, he's he's a he's a guy who just he lives and breathes hockey and goes home and, and watches all all the games games on uh on ESPN plus and you know I, I asked him kind of you know he's seen the rumors what what does he think of it and he said I would love to play with Patrick Kane and I I think his game uh you know really fits well uh alongside mine which um you can't really argue with that uh we've been saying for for a while how much the Islanders kind of need you know not just scoring on the wing but a guy who can fit well with Barzal, right? And and he's got a very unique game, the way he skates, the way he sees the ice. And Patrick Kane can kind of fill that hole for them 
it'll be really interesting to see, you know, if, if they can make a run at bringing him to long Island, obviously they've, uh, they've tried to bring those big name guys there in the past and, and lost out to Artemi Panarin a few, a few summers ago to the Rangers. So, um, you know, they'll hope that, that this doesn't end up being a repeat, but, uh, it, it'll be interesting to see as we get closer to March, what, what, uh, what unfolds there. I was going to say, can Lou Lamorello's ego take one more big player's rejection? Is it, it like, I, I don't know if he can. I don't know if the organization can handle it. Well, because you think about it, right? And and two years ago or, or three years ago, you know, when Panarin made that decision, it's, you know, you're playing at the Garden over, you know, a pretty decrepit Nassau Coliseum. And now they've got, you know, this brand new arena that that in theory is going to you know help them uh draw some of these guys their their practice rink is you know one of the better ones in the league and they think that they can you know start to sell guys on this we didn't see that too much during this free agency you know maybe in part because they didn't quite have the cap room to do some of the things that they were rumored to do if it ends up being you know them and the rangers for patrick kane it's going to be an interesting test for this uh for this theory I wonder if Patty Kane would rather play with Matt Barzell or Artemi Panarin. I'd like to hear from the fans. <laughs> right. Cause, cause we know that him and Panarin like were boys. best friends in Chicago, They're right? Absolute boys. Oh, you should have seen them the other night in Chicago, chucking pucks at each other and just like messing around. I really kind of wanted to ask Artemi at the end of that game, but I never got a chance to, cause there was too many people around, but I was, I wanted to just be like, Oh, you think Patty Kane wants to come to New York now after that one? Cause the first time they played them, I Patty Patrick Kane is probably like, I'm not going anywhere near New York, you know, like I, I don't want anything to do with that. But at least the second time around, they they made a little bit of a better showcase, I would say. Right. And the thing I thought was interesting about that weekend is they they came to the garden and kind of you know blew out the Rangers. And that, that was kind of the the nadir of of the Rangers season. And then the next night the Islanders just shut them out at UBS and it I think I actually wrote that night. If 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 this was an, an audition for Patrick Kane for both of these teams, then, then the Islanders had the better of it. I got to ask, as a guy who goes to both, the Islanders' food is pretty good at UBS Arena. They got that big uh, chicken sandwich that they have there, the, the colored bagels that they got going. As a guy who goes to both, Ethan, what do you prefer, UBS Arena food or MSG food? That's a that's a great question, Jake. From from our standpoint as media, I I think they're probably and and Molly, you can throw in your opinion here. I think it's probably two of the better meals in the league, right? I think I think the media food at, at UBS was probably a little bit better last year. It was you know it was the first year they wanted to kind of uh fla- you know flash what they could do a little bit, and uh, I I like the concourse food at MSG a lot. They give us that voucher that that's uh that's pretty nice. You get some options. I don't know. I don't know which one's better. It's close. I haven't had much of the concourse food at, at UBS. So I'll, I'll refrain from commenting on that. Molly, that's hard hitting journalism right it, there. It really is, Jake. No, it absolutely is. But wait, I, I don't know why I'm blanking out. Honestly, all the arenas, they just like melt together for me. It's not vouchers at UBS, though. It's like a regular medium. Meal, no, it's it? the yeah, they yeah. Okay. They cater. Yeah. Yeah. So see, that's my thing. Look, MSG. The concourse food is unbelievable. It really is like wide variety of options. But when you have to have it as many times as I do or all the other Rangers writers have to, I'm so sick of it already. 
it's the end of December. That's a fair uh, point. Yeah, you know, like well, that's because you're eating hot dogs and chicken fingers, okay, Molly. You don't look, spread the look, love to, to look, the prime rib sandwiches. I, look, I am a very picky eater. I I'm fully aware of that yes, I like my rotation of things that I get, which I have more of a bigger rotation than that. But still, because I just have a rotation of things, I am so sick of it. I was saying this to the other writers the other night. I was like, I I don't want to eat anything. I was like, I'm so I don't I'm not in the mood for anything because I've had it all no joke 10 times each already and I'm just sick of it so if you're asking me I prefer the catered meals I think it's a nice touch it's on a rotating basis it's something different almost every time or at least more spread out I just I cannot with the MSG concourse food anymore I'm I'm sick of it I'm about I'm about to start bringing bag lunches well you like it handed to you as well you like the cater that you don't have to walk around the whole building to try and find something that's what you like to it's not it's not even that I don't mind that and like I know that MSG's concourse food is uh, so much better than it's just it's not regular stadium food. I mean, you can get I've heard from the other guys. I'm a beginner sushi eater. I've just started dabbling with it. But I've heard that even the sushi is really good and fresh and just so many different options. You get tacos. You can get the prime ribs. I'll give you the lifts right now because I'm the aficionado here of MSG food more than anyone. The sliders they've added, they have now the chicken marsala sliders. That is, they have the eggplant parm sliders, and they have the regular meatball sliders at Lavo. You got towel, you get the sushi. They don't have the uh, the lobster um, dumplings anymore. They used to have these like little lobster uh, sushi dumplings are really good. The prime ribs, good. You, you dump the au jus on there. You want the tacos, they got the chicken, the beef. You mix it all in with cheese on there. Uh, if you want a glizzy like like Molly, you get the glizzies over there. The chicken. The pink. prime rib is always the, the prime like, rib is good. Whenever anybody like whenever I have friends, family, whoever come. Yeah. Come to the garden and they're like, oh, what should I eat? And I don't even like it. I've never even tried it. But I always tell people to get the prime rib sandwich just because of how highly talked about it is by everybody else that has eaten it before. And listen, it's the fourth night of Hanukkah. So you got to get a pastrami at Carnegie Deli in honor of our Jewish brethren as well. Um, So there's no more Carnegie Delis in Manhattan. We got to ask Larry about the deli. Larry likes to go to the deli. Big deli guy. All right, Larry. All right. Well, Ethan Sears, check out his work at the post. Ethan underscore Sears. We will see you at the garden Thursday. And thanks for coming on up in the blue seats. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'll see you guys then. All right. Sam Rosen will join us on up in the blue seats next. Aaron taking it away from Tatar. Shot by Heaney. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats podcast. Jake Brown and Andrew Hartz here with a friend of the program, longest tenured active broadcaster in the NHL. One of our favorites, the Rangers play-by-play man for MSG Network, Sam Rosen. Sam, welcome back to the show. Sorry to make you feel old there by saying that, but it is a cool fact that you have there. It's uh, it's actually an honor because as I go around the league and I see uh, – 
a lot of friends and a lot of people that I've gotten to know. It's uh, it's almost as if they're saying, hey, they're acknowledging that. And hey, I've been lucky enough to stick around, so I have to accept that. And that's just fine. I love it. What's the year total at? What is it at now? Uh, this is year 39 doing the Rangers on TV. Is that like a dream? Like when you're a kid and, and you're a Ranger fan and now you're going on year 40 coming up calling New York Rangers hockey. I mean, that's that'd be something I dream of as a kid. <laughs> I think one year would would have been a dream. This is like uh, the ultimate uh, experience because uh, growing up as a kid, I got to go to games for all the teams. I got to go to Ranger games on Sundays, went to Yankee games in the, in the Bronx. My, the first baseball game I ever went to was a Dodgers game in Brooklyn. Knicks games and games at the old Madison Square Garden. So to wind up doing the play-by-play and calling the games as long as I have for one of the teams that's close to my heart, and now has become one of the biggest parts of my life. Uh, That's just an unbelievable experience. Sam, I mean, you've seen quite a bit. And I mean, getting to do it from the garden, the world's most famous arena. What's your favorite part about essentially being at the garden all the time? I know it's, it's, I, I've heard from players that the, the ice plays really well, but from a broadcasting standpoint, I know once they, they implemented the, the chase bridge there to have that kind of vantage and viewpoint, how's it calling games at the garden? How's it changed over time over your past, you know, career? Or so it was always exhilarating to walk into the garden. Uh, It is acknowledged to be the world's most famous arena, no matter what, whether it's boxing, whatever sport it used to be. When when I was younger, it was the best track and field, the Milrose Games indoor track and field at the garden before the Olympics took place. College basketball, high school basketball championships were huge. Uh, When I was a kid in New York, Everybody packed the garden to see the the PSAL championships, basketball championships. It was the place to be. And of course, concerts have become the place. Everybody must play the garden. So to be there is always a, a, a tremendous feeling of excitement walking into the building. The evolution of the broadcast booth has been one where They have made the broadcast booths and the locations one of the best in the league, arguably as good as any spot in the league. Maybe I would say Montreal is a little better because there's a a lot more workspace in the booth. But overall, as far as location, ability to see the game and call the game, it's as good as any place in the league and maybe in the world. Sam, I mean, the food's also improved too. We got the lava <laughs> meatballs, we got the sliders, you know, they got uh, the Tao food in there. They're upgraded, the Carnegie Deli, which there's nowhere to be found in the city, but MSG. Awesome stuff as far as food is concerned. And the pizza, you get a huge slice of pizza that fills you up and it's really good too. See, I, I won't do the pizza there because I'll get that somewhere else in the city because there's better pizza spots. But is it is a good bang for your buck. But the sliders, the uh, meatball sliders, and then the uh, chicken marsala sliders that they have now are very good. I don't even know if you've had those, Sam. No, I haven't. But we will send my statistician Emmett McGuire to make sure he gets some the next for the next game. 
All right, I'm glad because you need to try try those. What like event outside of the Rangers? Like, do you frequent Billy Joel shows? Do you see other cool concerts? Because we see all the banners up there of guys who played there a million times. Do you ever go to those other shows? Uh, I haven't lately, but I used to be uh, an avid concert goer. Whether it was uh, we're going back to Bob Seger days and 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 uh, even and Billy Joel. I saw Billy Joel on a New Year's Eve. I think it was New Year's Eve 1980 or 81. And the building was rocking and he's still doing it. But no, I used to be an avid uh, concert goer. Now I leave that to my kids and my grandkids. Let them do it. There's always something going on at the garden. It's crazy to see. Without a doubt. Every time you go, it's either a Knicks game, a Rangers game, a concert, St. John's. There's always something going on. And I'll never forget because I was able to work boxing for many years at the garden. You know, we had the biggest boxing events. You go back to Ali Frazier in the early 70s. I mean, there was nothing bigger than that. But they've uh, had classic events. And when I started working at the garden full-time in 1982, one of the biggest events was uh, the Golden Gloves, the amateurs coming up. We saw future champions coming up through the amateur ranks. And I had a, you know, the pleasure of calling championship nights of the Golden Gloves at the big arena. They would fight in smaller locations, then they get to championship nights and the amateurs would fight in the big garden. It was classic. There's something magical about the garden hearts. Exactly. And that's it. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that go on there, especially now the New York Rangers who are coming off of their seven game win streak, which got snapped, but again, playing a lot better hockey as of late, which, you know, we all kind of saw this coming and there was a, they needed to go on a streak here, just not necessarily get back into it, but just for, to, to feel good. So my question, Sam, is we've seen the Rangers get hot and be good. Where is the one place that you think right now they could stand to really improve on that can kind of elevate them to the next level? Well, I think there are a couple of spots, Andrew. I think one is you always want to add scoring if you can. I think they've been hoping that they would get that on a consistent basis from the three youngsters, Heedle, Lafreniere, and Kako. It's coming along slowly. Heedle's scoring a little more. He's got eight goals. Kako has scored three goals in the last five games. Lafreniere, not so much. They're still trying to figure out what Vitaly Kravtsov is. Can he be part of their future? Will he be a scorer? I don't think they know that. Will he be an asset if they look to trade before the deadline? I think that's what they're trying to figure out. So I believe another scorer, consistent score would be good for this team. The other thing would be getting scoring from that the, those third and fourth lines. The kids, the young kids, as I mentioned, but also from the fourth line. Sammy Blay has been physical, but he's still not 100% from the ACL that he tore over a year ago. Uh, it still affects his playing. He hasn't scored a goal as a New York Ranger. Julian Gauthier has got great size and great speed, doesn't finish on a regular basis. They called up Johnny Brzezinski. He's helped out face-off-wise, hustle-wise. You know, they can still use a little more. If they could get a few goals here and there, that would that would also help them. And a little depth defensively. I think they're very pleased 
with the way Ben Harper has played. I don't know if he's the answer as a number six defenseman, but a little depth on defense would also help when you're going for the big prize. We joke on this show, take a shot every time we mention Patrick Kane. Uh, let's mention it, take a shot. Does the name intrigue you and does trading off key pieces of the future interest you in a short-term rental like him? That's the key, Jake. What do you have to give up? I love, everybody loves Patrick Kane. He is a terrific player. He's got a lot left in the tank. Everybody goes back to the first two years of Artemi Panarin's career in Chicago. They worked well together. They're still friends. Yeah, it sounds like it would make a good fit. Late season trades, you never know how they're going to work out. When Marty San Louis was acquired from Tampa and came to the Rangers, the rest of the regular season, he went 19 games. He scored one goal, came alive in the playoffs, the emotional loss of his of his mom during the playoffs but everybody rallied around him he played well in the playoffs and certainly helped the rangers get to the cup final so that's always a big question kane would certainly be a great addition he would fit in as i mentioned before as a a scorer he would help provide offense he's played in the biggest games there are the only question is what do you have to give up to get him do you have to give up one of the three young players that you feel are key to your team? Do you have to give up more than that? How much, whether it's future prospects or draft picks, how much do you have to give up to acquire Patrick Kane? Well, I mean, especially getting a piece like that would be huge. And we saw what Drury did at the deadline last year. And that, again, elevated them and took them, really helped propel them to the playoffs and, and you know, got them deep in there. Another piece the that guys he brought in, he never broke up the core of the team. And the guys he brought in were really excellent complementary players, if you will. Cop really was was a, a great addition because the coach could move him around, played him on the first line, played him on the wing, played him on the third line. He was an excellent addition. Tyler Mott was a good fourth line player. Frank Vitrano. He came in and just shot the puck. That's all everybody. We were in Pittsburgh yesterday. They said, hey, Frank Vitrano, he really hurt us in the playoffs. And I said, yeah, because as soon as he touched the puck, he shot it and it started to go in the net. So, yes, Chris Drury uh, made some really astute moves that helped the team last year. And I'm sure that's the focus of what he's doing between now and March 1st can't put anything past him at this point, especially with what he did last year and not really giving up as much and being able to hang on to the key core pieces for the Rangers. Another core piece for the Ranger, though, is Igor Shesterkin. Again, coming off of his fantastic year last year, one of the things on this podcast that was mentioned was that the Rangers will only go as far as Igor can take them. And now Igor in his last seven games, he's six and one. Averages two goals allowed per game, obviously gave up a couple of goals here or there, uh, but a few one goal uh, let ups. The thing that amazes me with the Rangers and especially with Igor Shesterkin, I was doing a little research before this. When you look at the goalie lineage that the Rangers have had, especially going back to 1989, Mike Richter, then you go to Henrik Lundqvist and now you have Igor Shesterkin. 
And before Mike Richter, there was John Van Beesbrook. And you had the Beesbrook. Exactly. Exactly. So it's it, it really is impressive, especially it, it's very much like a quarterback for a, a football franchise. If you're able to find that one guy and he can get you on that streak and take those, you know, take it for 10 to 15 years. It's amazing. What about Igor? Can you compare him to with like Hank and Beesbrook and Richter that that he kind of has that goalie mentality for the big spotlight, the big stage of playing for the Rangers and at the Garden. When I look at Igor Shosturkin and you, you want to compare him to Henrik Lundqvist, I would say they both have that competitive fire, hate to lose, hate to give up goals in practice, work very hard in practice. Henrik was a workout fiend, a practice fiend. I don't know that I would put that same label on Igor Shosturkin, but he works. He's out at every practice. He doesn't take practices off. There are no maintenance days for him. He's out there and he's working on his game. And when he gives up a a goal in practice, he'll, he'll bang the stick against the post. So his competitive fire is right up there with Henrik. The only big difference is the longevity factor. How long will he last? Henrik was also great shape in his career, rarely injured, rarely missed games. And starting out, Igor is the same way. So those are great positive signs. I would say to you that, yes, if Igor Shosturkin got hurt, the Rangers would have a serious problem. The backup situation right now is adequate. It was better with Alexander Georgiev, but he it was time for him to move on. And you can see what he's doing. He's playing very well in Colorado. So that's a situation that has to be monitored, considered. But in the era of salary caps, it's tough to spend that money. They had to let Georgiev go because he wanted more money. And Shesterkin already is making good money. And in a couple of years, that good money is going to become great money. So that's always a big factor and consideration. But yes, the goalie situation is excellent. You have a young goaltender, competitive fire, wants to be a champion. The team respects him and plays hard for him in front of him. You ever get tired of saying Shesterkin a thousand times on a broadcast? <laughs> Um, sometimes I get a little, um, too much saliva in my mouth and it <laughs> comes flying out. Well, you, you, and you mess up one letter and it becomes profanity. List. <laughs> so you got to be careful when you're, you're saying it, Sam. Maybe that uh, was the early days. I've gotten used to Shesterkin. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised you don't say Igor more on the, I guess, I guess it's his name. You don't say Igor as much. I did last night because the crowd, the the Penguins fans were chanting Igor, Igor. So I followed it up with Igor makes a save or Igor does this, but that's, that's a good point. But you, you know what? It's just quick identification and it just comes out. How do you prepare for a broadcast? Do you get like a Bigelow tea with you? You sipping on tea the whole game? How how do you prepare the mentally and how do you prepare the voice for you know a three hour call? Mentally, it's all about information about the team that we're playing, making sure that I've seen video of recent games involving the team, statistical information, and then notes, and then of course Joe and I always talk to the other teams head coach 
And if we're at a morning skate as we were yesterday in Pittsburgh, we talked with Sidney Crosby, we talked with a couple of others and the head coach, Mike Sullivan. And you put that in the pot and you have it. You may not use all of it, you may use only 50% of it, but you have that information stored up so you can go on the air and give what, what you like to do, what Joe and I like to do, what John Davidson and I like to do, and that is a, a balanced broadcast. Make sure everybody knows there's another team on the ice that's trying to play as hard as the New York Rangers and trying to beat them. And last night was the perfect example. Two teams that just met up in the playoffs that will probably meet up again in the playoffs. You want to give them the fair share. And of course, they have future Hall of Famers on their team. And I think fans appreciate the fact that they're seeing the greatest players in the game uh, on our air. And, and do you drink tea? What's what's the what's oh, the no, I'm a, Actually, I'm a sparkling water guy. Uh, on the plane, it's Pellegrino. Uh, if it's uh, if it's at home, it's seltzer, uh, Poland Spring seltzer. So I'll give them a plug. I like uh, sparkling water. If there's none, if I don't have any, it's just straight water. It's the easiest thing to lubricate. Well, there's one thing that you do really, really well, Sam. It's it's elevate the broadcast and bring it up to the fans to kind of raise that tension. I feel like hockey, it's not that it's a tough sport to watch on TV. I always say that that watching hockey in person, it's just it's different. It's different than on TV. And you and Joe both do a great job of at least bringing us into the arena and and, and really heightening certain big plays. So I guess the, the thing that, that I'm curious for you, what goes into making the perfect call for like the big play? Like there was there was a lot of talk when Aaron Judge was uh, racing for his 60 second home run. What's the call going to be like? Everything like that. And you even saw it with Alexander Ovechkin, where he just, you know, his scored you know, huge goal and everything. And there's a little steppage from uh, Chris uh, Chelios on the ESPN broadcast. But what is it about the big call? How, how are you able to like get it in your mind? Do you have the idea, you know, set before it happens or are you just kind of on the fly and let it come out as a natural? I think uh, the more natural it comes out, the better it is. I don't think you can rehearse lines. I think you, uh, in your calls, you might want to include some kind of information. Like if you're talking about Alex Ovechkin and his 800th goal, you want to make sure that you point out the, the key information. But I think it's, to me, it's always been the moment, the excitement of the moment, especially in hockey, as you pointed out, Andrew, it's anything can happen in a, in a snap. You go from offense to defense and vice versa in a heartbeat. The transition game now is faster than it's ever been. So if there's some big moment coming up, like where if you're in overtime in the playoffs, game seven with Panarin scoring the game-winning goal, I think you just have to make sure that you're ready for the moment. It could happen at any time. But don't be talking about, uh, you know, what you might be doing on the weekend or where you're going on vacation when you've got this great moment that could happen in a second and a game could be over. Rangers could score a great goal or the other team could score a big goal. And you want to make sure that you capture the moment. And I think working together with someone as, as long as I did with John Davidson, with Joe Micheletti, we're in our 17th year together. There's an understanding. 
you want to get some stories in, you want to get be conversational, but there are points where you can tell, okay, here comes a big buildup. Hey, if it's four to one, we won't worry about it. But if it's two, two, and there's two minutes to go in the game, and this is a big game, you want to make sure you're on the play. You and Joe, especially being at the garden, like I said, just do such a great job of, of constantly keeping us fans in the garden with you guys. So appreciate that. One more thing from me before we let you go. And this is just a completely out of the blue question, but we've seen the Rangers play at Yankee stadium, city field, Simpsons bank park for the winter classics and, you know, the winter games, whatnot. Are there any special venues that you, as in, you know, even just, just a hockey fan in general that you would like to see the Rangers play at any sort of, you know, wacky kind of, you know, spatial setting. Cause I mean, even though they've, they've, they've done like in Minnesota in the woods and you know, the backyard <laughs> like that. Are, are there any that, that come to mind for you? You want to redo Mystery Alaska? Is that, is that what you're looking for? There you go. <laughs> uh, boy, that's that, that's a tough question. Uh, we actually, one year in 93-94, when Mike Keenan came, took over, that season, before the season started, we did preseason in England, and we played in Wembley Arena. Now, if we played a game at Wembley Stadium, a hockey game, that might be something special. But uh, we did start, we played the French's Mustard Cup, two games against the Toronto Maple Leafs preseason at Wembley Arena. But now if we were a regular season game in Wembley Stadium, that might be fun to do. Well, French is mustard. I'm more of a ketchup guy, but uh, I, I can respect a good mu mustard tournament. Sam Rosen with us. One more question for you. Is this team, can you see them going on a cup run this year or do they need help? As currently constituted, can they go on a run or is there too many good teams ahead of them in the East? I think the Rangers are one of the good teams in the league. I think they showed that in their run last season. The core of that team is still there, starting with the goaltender, the, who we talked about. So I think as constituted, they are competitive. I think there will be moves made by Chris Drury to try and upgrade the team. And if those moves work out, whatever they are, be it Patrick Kane or who, whomever, I think that this team having the experience of last season, high-end players, Zabanajad, Panarin, Fox, Kreider, that's a solid core of players, championship player like Barkley Goodrow. They have the makings of a championship team. They probably need a little more and a little luck, as, they, as all teams do, but I think they need a little more to be that championship-caliber team but I think the general manager will make the moves that he thinks will help them get there. So long-winded answer to your question. It's a good team amongst a lot of good teams. Are they the best team? Not right now. But if they improve a couple of players, add a couple of spots, I think they have the makings of a team that could make a run similar to last year where they were two wins away from reaching the cup final. And who knows? Yeah, again, if you get lucky, right matchups, they could be a team that uh, makes a strong run at the cup. Is it just Rangers the rest of the way for you broadcasting? Are you any more NFL down the road, New York Cosmos, 
or is it just Rangers now? No, just Rangers right now. Uh, the NFL, I had a long run with Fox of 25 years, and uh, the pandemic hit and changes were made. And certainly I understand that. And I, I love the people at Fox. They were great to me. It was a great experience. It started with the NHL package in 1995, evolved to uh, the NFL. Very happy with uh, having been there, but now it's all Rangers all the time. Love it. You can catch Sam Rosen, of course, on the MSG Network. Calling Ranger games. Sam, always great to uh, catch up with you. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All the above. And we appreciate you coming on up in the blue seats. Jake and Andrew, thank you so much. You'll always enjoy it. And best of the holidays to you both. Yeah, I saw him. I saw him. He uh, and he made a great play. D'Amica in the middle of the ice. I'm pumping your tires right now. <laughs> All righty, Molly, that closes up episode 106 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Ethan Sears for joining us. Thanks to the great Sam Rosen for joining us. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me do the interview and produce the show. Catch up on all old episodes wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, and subscribe to the New York Post Sports YouTube to watch full episodes. Follow Molly on Twitter at Molly Walker. That's two E's, two R's. Follow me at Jake brown radio happy hanukkah molly is mama walker send you gifts still now that you're a big girl in new york city like does she still mail you gifts do you go home light the menorah like do you light it with your roommates what is she getting you for hanukkah we do have a menorah in my apartment here in the city where we also have a christmas tree we are a dual household but my mom is saving all of my gifts for me when i come to my house in jersey this weekend so very excited to see her and celebrate with my family what about you my parents to South Carolina. I'm, I'm going to stay here. So I might be alone on Christmas. My mom likes to keep me warm. So she sent me a scarf, a hat, gloves. She sends them like every year. It's like I get a new one every year. But she sent me a new chain as well that I wore to the New York Post holiday party that people enjoyed. And you celebrated both, right? I celebrated Hanukkah and Christmas growing up. So. No, just Hanukkah growing up for me. But I always had the most crazy Christmas envy you could ever imagine. So the fact that I got to put up my first Christmas tree in my apartment, that was the number one thing I wanted to do when I move out when I moved out as soon as I was paying my own rent. Even if I didn't have a, a roommate who was Catholic, I was putting up my own Christmas tree just for my own satisfaction. The Christmas season just hits different than lighting a menorah. I always remember my mom like do women put yarmulkes? Because she would put like a paper towel over her head. Yeah, paper towel. That's usually what it is. That's normal? Okay. Yep, I always it's thought normal. that was weird, but okay. Yep. <laughs> so paper towels on head. That's uh, putting a new meaning to Mr. Clean, Mrs. Clean there. All right. That's enough of us. Hope everyone has a happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. And uh, I can't say happy new year yet because we'll be back next week and we'll wish you a happy new year next week. But thanks everybody for listening to Up in the Blue Seeds. Happy holidays.